0: Life Audio.
1: have a story. The question is not do you have a story? Of course you do. The question is what are you doing with your story? The ups and downs of life, they are ours. And we love to focus more on the ups than on the downs. We don't mind telling others about the good things that have happened in our lives, but when it comes to those dark areas, those those difficult times, those trials and those traumas that we so often discuss, We prefer to keep those to ourselves. If anything, we want to bury them deep and not even acknowledge that they exist. But there is real value in telling our story. There's value personally in the process of healing. But there's also value to the hearer, to those who have the opportunity to participate as you tell your story. It turns out that everyone has a story, that everyone has dark parts of their story that they'd rather not share And that to hear another person talk about what they've been through and how they've moved forward can be extremely powerful. But how do we do that and why? I look forward to sharing that with you as I have an interview with an incredible guest, someone that I've had on in the past, a friend of mine, Jason Sawtell. He is with us today, and we'll get to that interview in just a moment. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Hello and welcome to the Marcher Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me. And I look forward to sharing a wonderful interview with you. With my guest today. He is uh, incredible. You know him. I'll talk about him and give his bio here in just a second. But before we jump into all of that, I would ask you if you have not yet subscribed to the show, go ahead and do that. You can subscribe right now, or you can go over to jeremystallnicker.com, jeremystallnicker.com. You can find uh, every contact that I have. All of my social contacts are there. This show links out there, the other podcasts I'm involved in. Perhaps you're listening to this on the radio, jeremystallnicker.com would be a great place for you to go and check that out. Also, and I'll be talking about this for the next uh, several weeks, is our 22 for 22 challenge. You can find more of that, 22 for 22 Challenge.com. Uh, that is a challenge that I've talked about and discussed where I will be running from October 21st to November 11th. I'll be running a marathon every day, uh, a marathon a day for 22 consecutive days, highlighting the veteran suicide epidemic in our world. But beyond that, pointing to a solution. But on that webpage, 22for22challenge.com, there's an opportunity for you to register. You can pick an event that you will do for 22 consecutive days. It can be running a mile, walking a mile, uh, doing something else. Whatever that is, you set that. Register there, and then you will be able to invite other people in your network to come and join you. They can sponsor you. All of the proceeds come back to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. And uh, again, would love for you to check that out. Today I did have the opportunity and uh, very glad to be able to share this with you to interview my friend Jason Sawtell. Jason has been on the podcast before. You can go and find that and uh, I'll have a link down in the description to uh, that previous podcast. Great episode where he tells his story, talks about all of the things that really he's been through in his life. Today we had the opportunity to speak more about how we tell our stories, why we tell our stories, the importance and the power that comes from doing that. And uh, I so appreciate him. I've had the opportunity to get to know him, spent time with him and his family, and uh, he's the real deal. And I'm very grateful to be able to have the opportunity to talk to him today. So please enjoy this conversation with my guest, Jason Sautel. Jason, thanks for jumping on, man. Appreciate it. Jeremy, I'm so happy to be here, man. How you doing? doing really well. Uh, So I just mentioned to you, I do have questions, but mostly I just wanted to hang out. So (laughs) So this was an excuse to do that. Um, You have been on before and I would, uh, in fact, I'll link back to that episode. Um, You told your whole story and we talked about your book and a lot of other things, which we'll talk about today too. But for those that are not familiar with you and your story, uh, give us the kind of abridged version, kind of the 30,000 foot Who is Jason Sautel and uh, why? So we connected kind of because of the mutual work that we do. So what brought you into this arena to talk about trauma, to talk about resiliency, to talk about all of that? Uh, How did you get to this place?
0: Well, let's go for the 30,000-foot view question first. So I am the biggest nobody you're ever going (laughs) to (laughs) meet.
1: Untrue. (laughs) Untrue. But
0: (laughs) That became an author. Uh, I was an Oakland firefighter for many years, and before that worked for Riverside County Fire Department, CDF, and came up to the Oakland to work for a different type of city. So I worked many years as a firefighter, and like a lot of folks working in the EMS, cops, uh, military, we absorb a lot of stuff from the scenes that we go to. And a lot of the stuff I was absorbing really started to affect me. And I found ways to work my way through it. And once I retired from the fire department, the Lord just put it on my heart to start using my stories to bless other people. And it just started taking off from there, you know, going around talking to people, podcasting, uh, writing a couple books and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the, the difficult things, I'm just writing some stuff down because I don't want to forget, one of the difficult things, I think, for people that have been through challenges and traumas and trials and all of that stuff that people go through, most people want to bury it, Ooh. and you have chosen to use that as a platform to to be a blessing to others. So uh, y- uniquely, we're from the same area, so we kind of grew up in the same area, which is weird, right? <laughs> that was right. one of the connecting points. Right. Uh, I never want to tell people where I'm from because nobody knows the town, right? But you did, and you uh, we were speaking in the same place and we met there Um, but we've been able to speak at other venues together and other places together and i've heard you tell your story um and you're very raw and very open Um, again uniquely i've heard you do that while sitting next to like your wife and your kids so this isn't a platform thing for you it's not a hey let me craft a story that i can use this is your life, and right. and most people want to bury the darker parts of their lives, but you have chosen to use that for a platform. Can you talk about the importance of that? And maybe not everyone will have a book and a podcast and speaking opportunities, but all of us can use our story. Many choose not to. Why did you choose to do it, and, and what comes from that?
0: You know, I think telling your story is a blessing on so many levels to yourself, but more importantly, to other people. Yeah. But looking back on even the process of starting to tell my story, I'm now seeing some areas in there where maybe I should have actually slowed down just a bit because maybe I was telling my stories hoping it was going to help me as opposed to helping other people. So what I try to tell folks is truly make sure you're at a point where you feel you're being called to tell your story because you know for my religious side god wants to use you but i also believe there's a time where god wants to heal you and you need to sit back in that healing not hide don't pull the covers over your head don't hide don't do that okay. but but make sure you get the therapy make sure that you're you're getting everything that you need to start the healing process because the healing process is lifelong there are days where i'll be honest with you i don't want to tell my story i don't want to go and write a post i don't want to do that kind of stuff And what I'm learning to do is when I feel that, that's like a barometer to check to make sure I'm okay first off. Mm. And if I'm not okay to, you know, maybe call up a guy like you or call up some other people in my circle and just, you know, have a chat and make sure that things are right, then get back to it. So I want to encourage people to tell their story, but I also want to encourage people to tell their story at the right time. So it doesn't create more harm for them too, if that
1: makes sense. Yeah. The right time and probably in the right group, right? In the right setting. And that's something that we talk about a lot is you need to tell your story. There's something powerful about offloading what's going on in your brain, getting it out in the open. And um, <laughs> I used to fr- have a friend that would talk about you know stuff rattling around in the dark. We need to mm-hmm. expo- expose it to the light, right? And so that's important. Right. But it is important to start with a circle of people that, aren't going to judge you in that process. You nailed it right there. Like, you know, a
0: small group. Like for me, it's, it's a group of first responders, and then I lean more towards the fire department side. So I would talk with other firefighters, and be like, bro, have you experienced this? How'd you find help? How did you get this? Then we would be in a group of like eight of us, maybe just over coffee. Then mm. that would actually progress into one guy saying, hey, dude, have you heard some like the Mighty Oaks Foundation or another thing where, where you can talk? So you're still telling your story, you're just not doing it on a platform. But I also believe that if you have any type of social media and you're healthy and you're feeling like, hey, there might be other people out there that are struggling, I would highly encourage you just write a post, just write something yeah. on Instagram, and, and you can really do a lot of good for a lot of people.
1: Why are uh, stories so helpful for other people? I, and, and again, there's the, the process of healing personally by telling mm-hmm. your story. Even in our program Mighty Oaks, we, we have a day set aside where everyone... All the students have 25 minutes to get up and tell their story. They can say anything they want to. We help them walk through that. But uh, it's crazy because people will go into that not necessarily wanting to do it or whatever, but we've tried to create this safe environment where they can. And then on the other side of that, so that typically happens on like a Thursday. Mm -hmm. Friday morning, I mean, I've had this happen to me hundreds of times. People will walk up and say, I slept better last night than I've ever slept or than I've slept in the last 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. And part of it is just offloading that. So there's that personal healing. You mentioned that. But but why is that so helpful for other people? Um, you and I were at a conference together, and uh, we were sitting next to each other while someone told their story. And I think we both, like, looked at each other like, yeah, we're going to have to do something different now because right. of, it was so powerful and it right. was so al- almost dark, but with yeah. a, hopeful, right. a hopeful bent. And it is powerful, man. Why is it so powerful that, uh, you know, the story aspect of it, why is that so helpful? Well, you know, I, I kind of look at the biblical
0: side of things of, you know, the Bible, if you really look at it, is testimony, right? We're going yeah. back and reading yeah. what had happened. But more importantly, I believe that, that we were given testimony, we were given a story, and that we were given it in, it may hurt, but we should use it. And sometimes people will use it maybe like we were just talking about there, that like, wait, they're actually pouring out their pain right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, instead of just pouring out your pain, I'm totally cool with that, but I think we need to pour out our pain, but then we need to come up with the the message. So you don't have to be a yeah. professional speaker yeah. to be like, okay, we're gonna take them here, then pull them back down, then go up and follow a storyline in an arc. I truly believe that we need to hit the personal testimony of where our pain is because that'll resonate with other people. But more importantly, we have to leave them with something that's going to help them. Because if we just leave them in a dark space, that's not good. And the final thing I'll say on that, too, is I initially started off staying in the darkness a little too much because that's all I knew was the dark, the dark, Mm -hmm. the dark. And I just came out of it. So I'd spend too much time there. So I highly encourage people, if they're going to tell their story, to get into that darkness, talk about it, then talk about what helped you. And why we should do that, the second part of the question was, I truly believe it's like a pressure cooker. I have to constantly tell my story. Otherwise, I'm going to relive it and relive it and relive Mm. it and relive it in my brain. And and I have to be able to off-gas it in multiple ways that will also help me, too. So that's why I'm a true believer in telling your story and so you can get that good night's sleep. You can grab that piece that you so desperately need.
1: So how do you... uh... How do you tell your story and continue to do that? So, I mean, this your story has become kind of um, your platform, I guess, for lack of a better word, right? So how do you continue to tell your story without becoming a victim of your story? This is something that I struggle to communicate to people. Uh, y- you, you have survivor's networks, and you have these different things where – you know every day it's about telling your story and every every day it's about revisiting the pain so there is a point where you need to you know let the pressure off you need to revisit that and find the hope on the other side of that but how can you do that without getting so caught up in it that that becomes your identity but that- that's uh, understanding your identity is bigger than that, right? right you're right. using that for something else.
0: Yeah, no, but you're, you're exactly right. It becomes your identity because in life, little incidents do become part of our identity. Yep. Meaning if you're telling your story and you're reliving it, that is part of your identity for a short amount of time and stuff. It's not like we have this overall perfect identity right now. You know? Sure. Yeah. It's sure. Like, sure. Yeah, and and so the what I found while I was telling my story over and over and over yep. again. It opened up a lot of pain. The pain came from writing it. That was the biggest struggle was writing it because you're in quiet. You're in an intimate setting. There's no one around. You don't want disturbances. Now you're living it. And that's when the demons would start to attack. Then I put it out there publicly. And that's when I started feeling more inferior and started feeling the doubts. And if I should be doing this and I'm doing it for the right reasons and struggling there. And then the last part was the biggest struggle is you're telling your story, but in our line of work, your line of work and all the other folks that listen to your show, the number one thing is we're taught it's not about us. It's not an I thing when we do something. But now you're telling your story and it's becoming an I thing and ha And that was a struggle I had, was I felt like I was being selfish. Then, of course, you know, someone from the outside would say, oh, well, you know, like my book, The Rescuer. Oh, Jason's The Rescuer. I'm like, bruh. Yeah, yeah. No, Jesus yeah. is The Rescuer, if you actually
1: read the whole thing and stuff, uh, you know. Right, they, read the book. Right, read yeah.
0: the book, and so that was true. So, so to finish up on that, what's really been cool is like doing with my second book is I'm now writing a devotional. So I, got to, I feel so good taking it off of me, the main story of me being the quote, main character in the book, mm-hmm. And now telling people all the stuff I've learned along the way, and pointing them to Jesus, and that's what's made me feel so much better. Is it's not I, I, I talking all the time. It's wow, check this out. This is what I witnessed, yeah. and this is the goodness yeah. I saw from it.
1: Yeah, man, that's really good. It, it, it's a fine line. It, it, so I, I always ask people a question when I'm having this conversation. Could you go and if, if God calls you to something else? So. You didn't have the opportunity to tell this story anymore. or You didn't have the opportunity to, you know, be the former firefighter or the veteran or the whatever. And God calls you to Nigeria as a missionary where they don't care. Right. Could you be happy in that? And, and I think right. to me that's that's a question I have to continue to ask myself is if God picks me up and drop me somewhere else, could I be happy doing that? If the answer is no, then I'm too wrapped up in in me and in my story and in what i'm doing and that's a that's a very fine line we have to be very careful with that
0: oh it is and especially when people are expecting something out of you you know like uh, words getting out there that they are going to be making a movie about my story if you will and and people then start expecting more out of you and if they actually looked into my life Mm -hmm. they'd say, wow you got an extremely boring life you've got Very few friends. You've got a couple of dogs. And wow, what's it like? And so so I'm like, that's what you see. What you see is what you get with me. But the happiness that I find is by going out and doing missionary work, whether it's in front of my computer, in my front yard, down the street, locally or internationally, Mm -hmm. that is, is just a time where you feel like you're accomplishing something greater than you, greater than just what's around you, and it's for the overall goodness. And that's, that's where I find happiness, too. I actually find sadness when I don't feel like I'm doing the work I've been called to work. I also find sadness when I find myself doing the work haven't been called to do you know so it, it is that yeah, fine line right, of right. if sticking within what you've been called to do because i truly believe that our happiness and joy should be found in obedience of what we've been called to do
1: yeah that's good uh, i've tried personally to define what i really feel called to do and that's such an important point you need to be where you're called but the mechanism may not be the calling, right? And so, right. for me, I, I, I've and I have this on a three by five card, and I've shared this before, but you know, I believe my calling is to communicate as simply as possible the gospel message. Right. That's it, right? So, if the vehicle is veterans, you know, focused or writing a book or something, those are vehicles; those are mechanisms. But but the thing is communicating the gospel and and trying to help people understand that as simply as possible so i I think that goes a long way too how do you how do you define calling so you mentioned that as you're telling your story before you stand up on a platform and tell your story you need to tell it in a safe place with the right people but before you get up in a public setting and and people who don't speak publicly I, i think a lot of people think like it must be awesome I, I never feel worse about myself than when I'm walking off of a platform, right? Like,
0: right. Or, it, or when you're laying in the hotel room bed thinking about uh, it, or the next morning, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. No, that's it's crazy. I, I don't like to listen to myself afterwards. I just like to talk <laughs> and then walk away. Now,
1: yeah. And, and you may have ten thousand people that are like, that was awesome, but you've got one guy who like hated it, and that's the guy you obsess about, that's right? So, it, dude. so before you stand up in a, on a platform and speak. You need to know there's a calling. You're exactly right. How do you identify that?
0: You know, I mean, I don't want to go too much. I mean, you and I off there, we can just go scriptural and get into it and stuff. And, you know, for me, it has to line up with scripture. If I cannot find what I am being told to go do, then I have to, And then the Bible, then I have to realize it's probably Mm. not. I may called, to do. but then That's again good. we could take good. a semester long class on on how to learn that or figure it out or yeah, take a sure. lifelong class of what's my voice what's my ego what's the Holy Spirit well I like to be holy Spirit driven and if I feel like the Holy Spirit isn't calling me to someplace well then I probably should not go I should not speak on it One of the struggles I had early on, I'll be dead honest with you, and people laugh, and this shows the true idiot fireman side of me. (laughs) I didn't think I was writing a book about PTSD, first off. And they kept on asking me, like, in in the publicist's notes, like, let's talk about trauma, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. And I'm like, no, let's talk about Jesus. And I finally go to my wife and I go, Christy, why are they freaking drilling me about this whole PTSD thing? Christy's (laughs) all, because he told your suicide story. I'm like, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, okay, right. (laughs) And and, and so that was almost like a Holy Spirit moment for me was like, (laughs) I was just running around because when people say, what was your conviction for writing the book? My first conviction was after witnessing countless people taking their final breath as their eternities are being locked in has really, really made it important for me to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it was about. And that's what it's still about. That's what it's grounded in. But there's all the side things like, yo bro, how did you get through those times where you wanted to hurt yourself? How did you get through those times of darkness, those emptiness? Well, I tell them the practical ways that I went through but I always keep it grounded in my faith because that what is what worked for me, and I'm a true believer, is that's going to be the only way to the ultimate help that we all need. So, so that's kind of how I do it when I'm being asked to speak somewhere, is it has to be grounded in the gospel. But am I always preaching the gospel? Actually, I'm not, you know, because I'm sure. just called to maybe speak on something else. But I will definitely make sure it's grounded and ultimately points people to my faith.
1: That's good. Um, so that kind of takes us to your podcast and, and, and the title of your podcast. So I, I, I would love for you to just talk about what your podcast is. And we're both on lifeaudio.com. They have us positioned right next to each other on their uh, on their homepage. Yeah. Um, I'm sure to like push us off in the corner somewhere. Right. <laughs> Those are the guys they that talk all, about trauma. They got all the headliners <laughs> up top and right. stuff, which is yeah. awesome. And there's, <laughs> and there's us down at the bottom. So uh, you can find us together there. But uh, Jesus is All We Need. That's your podcast. Um, can you talk about what the podcast is, but then m- maybe answer the question... Why is Jesus all we need? I mean, people listening probably to this show and your podcast, of course, are friendly to that and understand that. But if you were to say that in a lot of places, they'd think you were crazy. Why is Jesus all we need? Right. You know, that, that's
0: the central message. No matter what I do or as an author or even making a movie, you know, I'm called, the world likes to call me a creative now. I'm like, okay, whatever. I just like to tell stories <laughs> that honor the Lord. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm a creative now. Well, my central theme is Jesus is all we need. It's always going to circle back to that. So if I'm making a film, yeah, we're going to have the cool stuff in it, the love story, the ups and downs, but ultimately it's going to circle back around to Jesus is all we need because that's my belief because walking in the dark for so long and trying everything this world said would help me and it didn't and finding the one person who did help me, I have to bring that message out. And so that's why the Facebook page, the podcast, that's why I do that. Now people, when they look at the podcast, they're going to be like, it's all over the place. Well, just yeah. spending a few minutes me, with me, you'll realize I'm all over the place. So <laughs> I like to bring on guests who just have amazing stories, testimony. We can get the big name like Kirk Cameron, but then we can go and get Jeremy Staldinger. No, I'm just joking.
1: You know, but I like <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no, Thank no you for that. Yeah, I like us small
0: people <laughs> because there's so many people with good stories who actually can tell them if we lead them through it, talk them through it. And I want those stories to get out there and stuff because I just don't want the same big famous person constantly telling people about their faith. I also want the everyday cop, firefighter, military guy, gal, stuff like that, to be able to tell people. And so that is why it's called Jesus is All We Need because I wanted to stick to the roots. I want it to be good storytelling that just points back to Christ.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, The movie coming out, what is... uh you know kind of the genesis of that like that's a big thing right how, mm-hmm. how does that come about and then what are you trying to convey with the with the movie
0: um well it comes out by sitting back and watching all these amazing people go to work my head just <laughs> spin. you know i had to talk with you and i don't want to downplay like going to war just the massive amounts of what it takes and i don't want to downplay that but to put a film together from the sure. sidelines it's so easy to say oh just go make a movie and yeah and okay, well, where are we going to get the $20 million budget? Where are we going to get this? Where are we going get that? And all the people, oh, there's a strike going on. So there's so much that is happening, but the mm-hmm. beauty about it is slowing down and just letting God take the lead while working and doing our part. So the process is right now, we've got a production company team coming together and seeing all the working pieces is really cool. But the hardest part is is releasing control to other people. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not qualified to make a movie, but it doesn't mean I'm going to release everything and let them go crazy with it. But the hardest part is, is you're basically handing your testimony over to someone and just watching it go off on a boat somewhere. You know, it's like, Mm. oh my gosh, what are they going to do with it? So that's (laughs) been the struggle with it. And so we've come up with a great way where I actually get to be one of the producers and have an overall say so on how it's going to go. So that's, that's a long and short of it, but it's a crazy fun process.
1: What is your hope on the other side of it? Obviously, entertainment is fine, but um, knowing you, I think there's more to it than entertainment.
0: Yeah, you know, number one, I want a Christian movie that doesn't suck, first off, which they are starting to get better, you know? (laughs) Because I believe Christians a lot of times feel if they're making a movie, they have to do a scene and then put a message in. Do a scene, put a message in. And it's like, dude, if you want to do that, go to Sunday service. Your pastor's got that dialed in. He will knock out the lessons in there. Right. I just want good storytelling that stays the point, that doesn't get gratuitous in one way or the other. Gratuitous means like, oh, that was a lesson about grace or that was a lesson about propitiation. Yeah. No, I just want to tell yeah. the story right. and then at the ultimate outcome, show why Jesus is what I believe we all need and stuff. And that's what the movie's going to do. But it's also going to be a sick firefighter movie that was going to look like Backdraft, yeah. Ladder 49, mixed in with a little Goodwill hunting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and Jesus—that's no, that's a pretty you tall order. Yeah, and and Jesus yeah. will be in there as well. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty tall order. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that's coming together. And you mentioned as we we're starting, it's going to take some time, but but the pieces certainly will come together. Um, I have a few more questions, but I'll end with this question, I guess. Well, I say end. There'll probably be another one after this one, so don't get oh, excited. You know, but uh, <laughs> uh, hope. How do you define hope? How do you how do you talk about hope, and how do you define hope?
0: You know, I fall back again on testimony, and people ask me, they'll say, the day that you finally became a Christian, a follower of Christ, everything became perfect, right? I'm like, no, dude, it still sucked, <laughs> man. I was a fireman in West Oakland going to shootings, <laughs> going to fires, going to yeah. fatalities, going to just all the awful stuff that every last one of us are walking through in this world. And I had personal struggles. I had all these other problems that were still there, but I now had clarity on why everything was happening. I now had a way to walk through it and ultimately know that everything is going to be okay forever. So I want people to hear me out that hope I have hope. And there's some days all the hope I'm hanging on to is like, Lord, ooh, this hurts. And then I rest in his comfort knowing he's going to bring me through. And that's the hope that I try to give out there to other people. I don't want to give false hope. I want to give real hope that there's still going to be a struggle. There's still going to be stuff hitting us, but ultimately Christ is going to bring us through it all.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Jason, where can people follow you? And uh, you're into several different things, but what's the one place or the couple of places people can go to?
0: Yeah, they can just go over to JasonSautel.com, and that will uh, give everyone what they need. And, you know, if they want to just do a search on the podcast, it's Jesus is All We Need by Jason Sautel, and that should pop up for them.
1: Awesome. Jason Sautel. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again. Uh, dude, I appreciate you and thank you so much for having me on. So grateful for Jason. As I mentioned, please go and uh, you can look, just search his name, Jason Sawtell. You can find him or his podcast on Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. That's where this podcast is hosted. His podcast Jesus is all we need, that is there as well as uh, as well as uh, along with a lot of other great podcasts, so please go and check those out. That would be fantastic. Again, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do that. Share this episode and others out with others. That would be fantastic. Go to com. You can find uh, everything you would like to know and more about me. And then our Challenge 22 for 22challenge.com. I know a lot of stuff that we're pointing you to. The best place to go is to my socials, and uh, you can find links out to all of that. Thank you again for joining us today. Really look forward to talking to you next time. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. Learn more at mighty org. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it or did you only make it part way?